not woke. Make that clear. Awake, not woke. Hello, initiates, and welcome to another episode of the Awake Not Woke podcast. My name is Sarah, and this is episode 38. We are not going to be joined by my amazing co-host, Chastity, this time around. And instead, I am having a conversation with Andrew Cipriano, who you may remember from our first ever We Is Me episode. We are going to talk about a lot of different things. When Andrew and I hang out, it is always a rapid fire of thoughts and tons of conversations and laughs and it's a really fun talk. We focus on Andrew's life coaching venture. He is beginning this journey into becoming a life coach so he can help better other people's lives. And we also talk about introverts versus extroverts because he is very much an extrovert and I am very much an introvert. So it's a really fun conversation. Check out his TikTok wigged out psychology that is in the show notes. Check out Andrew's Instagram at Andy Sip. He has a website, andrewcipriano.com. Check him out. He is all over the place. He's doing great. But before we get on to the episode, make sure you also give us a follow at Awake Not Woke Podcast on Instagram. And we have a website, Awake Not Woke Podcast.com. We have a contact page on our website if you want to hit us up send us an email we would love to hear from you you can also dm us on instagram we love to hear feedback comments ideas for episodes whatever you have throw it at us and we would also really appreciate if you left us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify boost those algos help other awake not woke individuals find the podcast so we can grow and while you're there hit the follow or subscribe button so you can see little notifications when our episodes drop on Sundays at 4:44 a.m. Eastern time every Sunday unless stated otherwise which will be on Instagram all the information you can find there and finally we have a value for value merch shop on etsy you can find us awake not woke podcast on etsy we have mugs t-shirts we accept donations whatever value you put on this on this podcast uh whatever value you get out of the entertainment the information the thought-provoking subjects put a number on that and reimburse it to us through the Etsy shop as of right now. And my co-host Chas, who is not with us in this episode, but she also has an awesome Etsy shop where she sells her handcrafted jewelry, uh, hand-stamped creations, and apparel, all kinds of cool stuff. She is 5D Impressions shop on Etsy. And again, all that is in the show notes so you can conveniently find it and check it out. So I would really appreciate all of that. And without further ado, this is episode 38 of Awake Not Woke podcast with your host myself and not Chas, this time around Andrew Cipriano. I hope you enjoy. Peace restart that intro mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was a little rocky okay <laughs> i don't ever know what chas does chas always does the intro i'm not used to doing it hi welcome to awake not woke podcast okay i'm chas <laughs> Chast- that's chastity not chastity no other way around that's chastity 
No, Chastity. <laughs> Chastity. There's only one. I'm Chastity. That's my. That's my. <laughs> remove. <laughs> I'm Chastity. The only real Chastity. <laughs> She's not even here. <laughs> <sighs> but she won't be joining us tonight. Sorry. <laughs> it is still recording. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome back to Awake Not Woke podcast. My name is Sarah and I am joined by Andrew Cipriano for this episode. Tracity is sitting this one out because I wanted to have a conversation with Andrew about introverts versus extroverts. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff, but this is going to be our focus for a lot of the episode because I'm very much an introvert. Andrew's very much an extrovert, and depending on where you fall on this spectrum of introvert versus extrovert, you are going to react to things differently. You're going to have different experiences. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but keeping that in mind throughout the episode, because that is a huge factor in our friendship, but also in any particular person's life that's going to play a role in their experience. So yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Andrew has also started getting into life coaching. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about like where you've been going and why you want to get into life coaching? Okay. So if anybody hasn't listened, well, hello, everyone. It's very happy Hi. to be oh, here. Oh, I didn't even really like introduce it's okay. you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not used to doing the intros. Chas always does. So that. hello, everyone. So for anyone who followed the last We Is Me episode that I did, the first one, right? Number six. Yes. Okay. So we talked at that point, I was kind of in clinical world of psychology and I've been working in a psych hospital for the last year and a half um, and getting into psychology. And I've decided I'm going to go into life coaching because it is so much more to me than clinical work. In clinical psychology, you're kind of taking people who are, for a lack of a better term, mentally ill or have a disorder and bringing them up to par to like a normal level of functioning. And I hate to say normal, whatever, put air quotes on it. Don't be offended by that. Um, and then in life coaching, you're taking people who are functioning kind of well, but not happy in their life or they don't have any direction. And you're literally helping them to create lives that they would literally wake up and be ecstatic to be living in. Yeah. And I, I find that really interesting too, that as somebody who is very energized by people. You found yourself attracted to helping people. Because let's like define a little bit extrovert versus introvert going into this. Because an extrovert is somebody who gains energy from being surrounded by people. So mm -hmm. someone who is going to be interested in life coaching is probably going to find a little more energizing feeling when they're surrounded by people. Not that introverts can't be life coaches, but your approach to really going out there and helping people is driven by like your extroverted nature. Would you say that? Yeah. So let's talk about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just to totally define it, because I think we should just define it. Really yeah. Fast. The most simple way you can put it is an introvert is someone who's energi energized by people. They get their energy from extrovert. Literally oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. What'd I say? Introvert. Uh oh. Extrovert is energized by people. Yes. Yeah, so they derive their energy from people. That's why, you know, extra means outside instead of intra means inside. So, and then intro is just obviously you kind of spend time alone and you get your energy from your own thoughts, your own mind. Um, I have always been like this. I am literally, I will wake up in the morning and at seven in the morning, I will come into work and just be like totally all off the walls talking to everyone. I'll go out and talk to 15 people by the time that we even start like our morning meeting. Yeah, I always joke that like I, I don't even know how you fit me into your busy schedule because you're just always <laughs> with somebody. 
Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, I do draw energy from being around. I leave work after I'm with like 30 patients who are like clinically depressed, and like most people would walk away exhausted, and I'm like totally ready to go. Yeah, it's amazing. That's that's incredible. And then introvert is going to be somebody who I I don't want to necessarily say they draw their energy. They do draw energy away from people, but mm-hmm. not necessarily entirely alone. Like introverts can have like their person or their people or their family when that's not the same thing as necessarily like always being around people but introverts are going to feel more drained by large groups of people Mm -hmm. and by dealing with people so i always like to look at it as like your social battery what charges your social battery if you're somebody who generally is charged by being in a group of people and going out and talking and hanging out with people and if you are alone for prolonged periods of time you feel more drained you're definitely an extrovert but if you feel more drained when you're constantly around people then you're probably more of an introvert. I also think it's important to note too that like I'm definitely a very introverted person, but I work in customer service. Like I literally am around hundreds of people a day. And if you are drained by customer service, you can still be an extrovert because it's not really the same thing. Whereas I feel like when you are working, like for you in particular, you're working so closely with people. So the people are the focus and customer service is kind of the same, but it's more of like not so intimate. Like you're just like helping a person momentarily and then they leave. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is an introvert might thrive in those situations because it's not the same thing as socializing. I actually work with a lot of introverted people and that is like their weekly socialization because it's not quite going out to a social event where their social battery will truly just deplete, but it's also not like just being entirely alone in an office somewhere. It's also the context too. Just because you're around other people doesn't mean that you, you like at your job, you would think of it as an extroverted job, but you kind of have like a script to play, right? You know exactly, exactly. what role you're going to yes, play with yes. this person. I'm going to whatever, greet them, do what I have to do and then say goodbye. It's a role. So an extroverted person, I think, would take more of an adventurous side on it. And like, I will literally go into a patient's room that I don't know that is totally clinically depressed. And I'm like, let's figure out your whole life and let's go for it. And we can talk about my life and like everything. It's super not scripted, you know? Yeah, it's not scripted. And also it's not prompted like by anything in particular. Like, obviously, you probably have the the cl- the classic things you do with all the patients like sure. you have the just pleasantries and greetings and and asking questions on a regular basis but something like customer service is so cut and dry mm-hmm. that i mean if you work in a fun retail environment i'm sure you have fun conversations with your customers but it's not as intimate as what you're doing so it's definitely attractive to a more extroverted person yeah. and i also think it's important this is a spectrum i said it before it's but a spectrum it's very much a spectrum where you can be extremely extroverted you can be somewhere in the middle or you can be extremely introverted but everybody is going to have like that one social setting that they really do enjoy even if you're an introvert or that one social setting that really drains you if do you you're have an example of one that drains you and one that energizes you well most social settings drain me because i'm very much an introvert but if i'm really looking forward to something i really enjoy going into social places like if i'm going to a concert of like a band that i really enjoy 
that is the kind of setting where I will not feel as drained during it, but it will... I still am tired and I don't want to leave the house for like a week after I do something Holy like moly. that. Yeah, I could never leave the house and I'd be perfectly happy. Oh, that's so, <laughs> that's so not me. It's so me. And I think it's also important to point out too that like the way you approach social settings is a lot different than the way I do too, which is why I really like going out with you every once in a while, like once a year. <laughs> that's okay, I'm not offended, it's a <laughs> No, like once a year because it's an, it's an exciting experience when I go out with you. Whereas when I go to a concert, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to probably stand in a corner and dance to myself and just stare at somebody if they try and talk to me. But last time I went out with you, I taught a Brazilian man how to shuffle and then made a bunch of friends at a gay bar. Like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That, that was the last time I went out with you. So <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> and we, we, you were hanging out with someone earlier and you remember a conversation that they brought up. You were with that one guy that one night that we were having that conversation. We got like political. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's funny that yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chas's friend was actually someone we ran into at a gay bar <laughs> of all odds. <laughs> yeah, but that is a very different thing as well is when like somebody who may be somewhere more in the middle of the spectrum. An omnivert. Yeah, I don't even, I don't, I've seen ambivert, omnivert, whatever. That That's a word that people use for it. But if you're like more in the middle, you might be somebody who does really go out and enjoy these social settings, but they're not going around and talking to people. Like they like to be around people, like going to malls and going to places where there are a lot of people, but keeping to themselves. That's something that I do a lot. I actually love people watching and going to places where there's a lot of people, but I go by myself or I go with one other person. I'm not with like a large group of people on a regular basis. Like like you are. You, <laughs> you are often with a large group of people. I can possibly call people. I know you I'll look do. down. It is a habit. I will look down. I'm literally in the middle of calling someone. You've done that answers. to me. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. You guys. also impressively butt dial me on a very <laughs> regular favorite. basis. You're in my favorites. Aww, you're in my favorites, too. <laughs> I, and you so. know, I, I don't get butt dialed. You're the only. <laughs> you're one of the few people I actually talk to on the phone. I don't even talk to Chas on the phone. Really? You're in my You're in my favorites, but not Chas because we just text each other because we're, we don't call. We just don't do that. Oh, I was going to ask you. When you find yourself coping, like your coping mechanisms, do you do... I cope with people. That's why I compulsively call people. If I'm anxious or nervous, I immediately will call someone or bored. See, yeah, no, I I definitely do not do that. And that's where a lot of like unhealthy habits with like weed come came Mm, into play. Like when I was in college and stuff, like I would just smoke by myself or like, yeah, no, coping definitely happens by myself. It's gotten a lot healthier now. Or I kept a journal all through high school. I kept a journal like almost religiously to just like let out feelings and i don't do that as much anymore because i am in a long-term relationship so my boyfriend's kind of my journal so i just tell him everything and it's like letting it out but it's still just like no one else like it's just this one person or just me by myself and that's uh, a really key thing as well because since you're getting into this life coaching thing coaching different people is going to be really different so how 
do like what are your approaches like what are you thinking about using as an approach to this life coaching coach? yeah so everyone does it differently this is the thing life coaching has a bad rap because it's not like regulated like you can't go to university and get a college degree for life coaching so people look at it and they scoff and think that you're undereducated and blah blah, blah. and and there are a lot of people who are undereducated in my opinion who don't use it right but a general approach, and this isn't scientific, I guess, like don't quote me, but would be to sit down with somebody and figure out what's going on in their life. Usually there's something they're not happy about or there's a bunch of things they're not happy about. And typically it's not actual problems in their life. It's what they think the problems are in their life, but it's all typically related to their emotional health. So people will think that they're stuck in a career, right? That they're stuck in this job they don't want, but really it's not the job or their inability to find a new job. It's the fear of finding a new job that's holding them back. Yeah. So you, you literally dig deep on people's real problems and try it's i almost want to say it's is like, it is it something that comes intuitively to you uh, definitely i've always been so I, I hate the word empath i'm sorry for anyone who likes it but to me it's so woke garbage psychology yeah I'm empath. no it, it's overused like i do genuinely think that like em- empathetic people like more so than others like i I do (laughs) stop she's an empath no but i i I know what you're saying because i feel like a lot of people are like oh i'm just an empath and i just i just felt the the room change like it's almost like a ongoing joke on tiktok these days it is it's just like anything that can be bastardized you know in psychology and honestly like the more i've looked into like, cause an empath is supposed to be someone who can feel other people's feelings and like truly feel it. Like when you walk into a room and someone is like going through a severe depression, even if they're not outwardly expressing that, mm-hmm. you feel it. And people who have been through trauma, whether it's physical or psychological, learn to read rooms like that. So a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm an empath are just fucking traumatized. Like Mm -hmm. they just are like coping and they have these triggers that like when somebody is upset, they know immediately because in their past, somebody traumatized them from being upset. So they pick up on these subtle cues. You learn the signs. I mean, it's all behaviorism, right? Like, you know, you learn from positive and negative words and how you're going to... So... That's what I think. Like, I do feel energy, but I don't want to say it in like a woke, like I feel it in like a rational way. Like I read people's body language and how they're acting and how they acted the other day and kind of read the situation. Like, yes, I'm very social in that aspect. Emotionally intelligent is a word I would use, not empathic. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of emotional intelligence, but I think empath, I just like to stay away from that word. No, totally. And I, I think it, it is describing like the same thing. Mm, so it, it is a part of emotional intelligence is empathy. But to say you're an empath, I just think it's a little bit too woke for me, for my own taste. Totally. I want to, I want to take it away from the woke side of life coaching and do the like literal, like, no, we're doing cognitive behavioral therapy. How you think is how you act, feel and how you act and all that and mm-hmm. show you how it scientifically works out in models and stuff. Yeah. And like, I think that's really important to point out as well because you can feel the energy of somebody without it being such a like a woke thing and I, a lot of woke people are using it incorrectly like where like a lot of things yeah you know, they, yeah and like reading those behavioral <clears throat> signs and those like subtle cues like that is the it, it is picking up on energy mm-hmm. and people it, 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 and it is a part of that it's mm-hmm. what did you always said that stuck with me is the best lies are almost all true mostly true are mostly yeah. true. yeah the best lies are mostly true and i think it that's is. what the woke stuff is it takes stuff that is general truths totally. that are awesome and real scientific and provable and i don't they don't have to be provable but they're just genuine uh, objective truths and then they kind of just bastardize it into like the most basic childhood version of what it actually means and is mm-hmm. 
it oversimplified to where it's garbage. Yeah. Me. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of life coaching is that. And it's a lot of people who get into it haphazardly and they don't actually want to care to be certified. They don't have degrees in psychology. They don't have any clinical experience. And they say, I'm a life coach and I've been through in a relationship. So that makes me an expert on relationships. And truly, you don't even have to be through the coaching stuff to be an expert on it is you know the psychology behind what's going on in people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that you can definitely teach some of that, but a lot of it is your desire to pick up and help people with those things, which Mm -hmm. is another thing that I think you are particularly good at because you're an extrovert is you have a desire to not only pick up on this energy, but to help the person. Mm Because like I also pick up on these signs, but I'm staring at people around a room and psychoanalyzing them and not really going in and not yeah i have no desire to do that that's so funny because that would require me to drain myself and you can't pour from an that's empty so cup. funny because it's totally the, I, I just think it's completely opposite for me because i literally called someone i'm doing tiktok style and i'm like getting better at it and one of my mom's friends his won. tiktoks will be in the show notes uh, thank you um but i'm getting better at it now and i have a decent enough following to help other people i think so that's the first thing that i thought to do once i started getting this following i've called two people um i've told three people about the courses i've been taking and like literally trying to talk to them about it and it energizes me to keep going with the TikToks. Like it helping other people get to the point where I'm at is super energizing. And I'm sure having all like the feedback and people commenting and it, so even... So this is, this is hard because it's great, but because I love people so much, when I get negative comments, it it hurts. I've learned emotionally not to take it personally and I'm, I'm getting there. Obviously, I have to be in control of my emotional health about it, but it hurts really bad when I get negative feedback. I take it. I don't do it anymore, but it, it was initially very painful. Yeah, and... I think that also plays into your extroverted nature because since you are drawing that energy from people, when you're drawing negative energy from people, like that is extra taken to heart. Mm -hmm. Not that like, I I definitely also get upset when I get negative feedback like on the podcast and stuff. There's no negative feedback on the podcast. Oh, somebody calls (laughs) a white supremacist. Somebody calls you that? Yeah. She's not even white. No one knows who she looks like. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. I posted my picture. Oh shit, we're done. Yeah, no, no. Somebody in a review, like, I don't, I don't know where they're getting. It's just really spiteful for no reason. Yeah, and and it's cheap shots for no reason. It's hurtful too because, like, I'm putting in so much effort to be my genuine self and to like express myself into without hatred. And yeah, with no hatred, (laughs) with understanding. Like, I, I, I want to help people. Actually, you know that I'm talking it out loud. I do want to help people, (laughs) but how introverted of me to help people through a podcast where it's just me and one other person talking and mm-hmm. then you listen and like don't don't directly talk to me i mean definitely send us messages and stuff but no, messages i have, I have are not different. made eye contact with her once <laughs> she hadn't turned around she's he's facing the other direction <laughs> we're back to back <laughs> i'm staring at a picture of my friends <laughs> <laughs> oh but seriously though like it, you don't like the word empath but it's what that's describing is what you're describing. I'm very emotionally intelligent. That's yeah. my, that's the word I'm going to leave my safety word. But not just not just emotional intelligence though cuz the fact that the negative feedback affects you so deeply like that I don't think is emotional intelligence necessarily but it is you literally getting your social battery charged mm-hmm. by negative energy and not that it like goes up with negative energy too or whatever but it's still being absorbed by you a lot more deeply and thoroughly than someone like me who like doesn't get that kind of charge from social interactions. I'm going to 
definitely still feel the negative energy, but it's not going to directly affect me as much as it's going to directly affect mm-hmm. an extrovert. Have you had trouble with any kind of criticism? I read a book literally called um, How to Deal with Public Shaming. Really? Yeah, because it, it affected me so much when I first started about it. But have you yeah. been negatively affected by that or allowed to get to you? Uh, at first, it was kind of upsetting. And my thing is we get a lot of comments on Instagram from religious people mm, and mm-hmm. they that's want, triggering for them i'm sure oh, spiritual not religious yeah yeah yeah. a lot of a lot of our posts are triggering for religious and christian people and a lot of them are either being hurtful and mm-hmm. trying to say like i'm wrong and oh. and attacking me that's and then a ego. lot of them are just kind of like jesus is the way and like drop a bible verse okay. here and there i mean so, at least that's like they're you know respectfully placing your opinion which everyone exactly and i'm all for you someone disagreeing with me Mm -hmm, because personally i was actually listening back to our uh christianity episode the uh like is jesus christ our lord and savior episode and i was talking about in that episode how i personally believe like if we're talking about god and with christians it's always god and jesus that comes up when these negative feedbacks happen when i think about god i think of the infinite it god is infinite and it's the universe whatever source energy whatever you want to call Primordial it Primordial soup. exactly <laughs> and because it's infinite no one single person can know god because we are not we are finite and we cannot know infinity mm-hmm. so therefore my view of god and your view of god and someone else's on this negative feedback person's view of god mm-hmm. are all valid and they're not only just valid they're all going to be different parts of infinity mm-hmm. so your perspective on god is important for I me like to that. know because we can't possibly know it at all so exactly you could both be right with two exactly two two completely conflicting yeah. things could be both very correct I, love that. I wrote that i have very limited notes for this episode yeah we both do but i literally wrote different truths didn't even spell out different diff truths really <laughs> and we got to it nice. <laughs> yeah no but that is it's so important because everybody's perspective like we are our perspective is our lives and like Mm -hmm. is everything so when somebody has a different perspective and they disagree with you it's not necessarily a negative thing it's a opportunity for hopefully both of you to learn but because we only we have radical responsibility over our own Love lives. So it's my responsibility to learn from that negative feedback. And it's a little easier for me to do all that brain gymnastics because I don't like people. <laughs> you know what I mean though, not mm-hmm. really. So yeah, what do you find is the biggest challenge with your life coaching? Like have you had any instances where you read a comment on tiktok or you have a friend that is talking to you about your life coaching and stuff and they are just really closed off to it let's do this so i think the biggest challenge with life coaching and truly with anyone living their dreams and trying to go for it what they believe to be their dreams is the fear of not being good enough and that you're going to fail which you're going to fail right but Every, yeah, the fear sure. of never making it truly. So you don't actually try. Like I genuinely haven't really tried to get clients yet. I'm taking this course. I'm done in December. And I want to say to myself, no, I need to be properly trained before I even try because I'm not trained and I want to have the certification. And like Sarah tells me all the time, like you need to figure it out. Like do doing will lead to yeah. knowledge and feeling. And she's right. And I know that. But <laughs> the biggest fear is that you're not prepared. You're not ready. It's not the moment. It's the, it's the fear. It's always the biggest thing. It's mm-hmm. always the biggest thing. Yeah. And 
I think a lot of people can relate to that because oh, everyone. there's always going to be a moment where you got to leap without mm-hmm. a net below you and just hope that there's something down there to catch you. Mm-hmm. And I think like, especially with life coaching, there's probably going to be a lot of struggles with wanting to help people and not helping them though. I think be- so. This is part, this is wonderful because the biggest thing you can learn and teach, but you're, you're your own first client. I like that rule of life coaching is you need to learn how to deal with emotional, your emotional health. And part of your emotional health is not being responsible for other people's emotions. So if somebody goes into a coaching session, obviously I want them to be able to succeed and I want them to move forward. But if they don't, they can't blame that on me necessarily. You know, people are, if you go to a therapist and, you know, you don't get all of your expectations met, it's probably because you had expectations that weren't realistic. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be an issue for me, truly, because I'm going to go and give it my best and that's all I can do. And I think truly, I truly believe this, that if I'm giving it my best and I've done a lot of research and I'm literally going to be giving it my all and I'm very confident that I'll be able to help people, then they're going to move forward. And if there's a reason they don't, then we can talk to it about together, but I'm not going to take responsibility for their inaction or their, you know, their side of the deal. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I think that would be my issue. Like if I were in your shoes mm-hmm. is not wanting to not necessarily like give up on someone. It's not mm-hmm. like you're just giving up, especially if they're like paying for your service. But right. if somebody wasn't like getting it, I would be too stubborn just to let it go. Okay. And this is the, so I've taken one course so far online and then another one I started and I'm doing a third one in April. But the big overwhelming themes are you're supposed to find, you know, if you're coaching people, you have to find people who are actually going to be responsive and appreciative of what you're doing and ready to change your life. Like you're not going to go and force people to get coaching. So hopefully people come to you, they're going to pay, they're going to take it seriously and try to actually change. And they're going to make, there's absolutely no way that if you're getting your emotional life in order and setting goals and genuinely going out there and trying, even though you're going to fail, you're going to move forward. There's no possible way that you can do that and not change who you are as a person. And if you change who you are as a person, it's going to be for the better because you're putting yourself out there, setting goals and getting track of your emotional life. So I just, I totally believe in that. I totally believe in that. I'm not even hesitating, you know? I'm 100% mm-hmm. sure that I'm going to, to help people and at least move forward in their lives. Yeah, that initial stepping stone, I feel like, is the hardest part for most people. Mm-hmm. And especially taking that initiative to not only, like, seek help, mm-hmm. but to continue at it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, I think, moments in people's lives who they they have a spark of desire to change their life Uh for like a moment and then it kind of fizzles out but that step of like reaching out getting help like trying new things is going to be a real big step so i can see Mm -hmm. what you're saying where a lot of your clients aren't going to fall in that category of like stagnant and if they if they do and they say like i don't know what i want i don't know how to get there then we're going to figure out the truth of the situation like if it's you don't know is just really synonymous with I don't care enough to try I'd rather and I I think everybody actually people say they don't know what they want to do with their lives but I truly believe that everyone has some inclination some kind of like a north star in the distance that they that they do know what they want but they choose instead to feel that negative emotion the fear of doing that and the discomfort they drown it out with things like alcohol 
Weed is a big one. Overeating. What about somebody who genuinely doesn't have any interest, though? Because I, I don't. I don't think that that. I think that if they somebody comes to me and tells me that, I genuinely believe it's because they're numbing themselves. They're numbing over yeah. their emotions. Yeah. I, I genuinely would start there. If somebody comes to me and says, "I do not," and this is my twin brother is a perfect example. He just quit his job. He has a four year degree in public policy, and he doesn't know what to do. And he says, "I genuinely do not know what I want to do with my life." And I said, "Well, right now you're smoking a lot of weed." you're drinking on the weekends, you're vaping, and you're eating junk food all the time. What if you tried cutting out all four of those things, sitting with your discomfort, and realizing that there actually are desires you have that you're just too scared to even acknowledge because you'd rather numb over that dis- discomfort of having a dream? You know, we, we pretend that we don't actually know what we want, but really we just numb over it. I truly believe everyone has desires, and they just don't allow themselves to feel those desires. All It all comes back to your emotion, and a lot of it's fear. Again, not everything, but... A lot of it is, though, because I I truly believe in the duality and the idea Mm -hmm. that in our third dimensional meat suits, we live here (laughs) and we exist in a dualistic world. So we have good and evil. We have hot and cold. We have yes and no. So we have all this spectrum of understanding Mm -hmm. and everything is going to fall within that spectrum. Everybody has negative emotion in their life. And uh, the majority of us in our society, if you want to go back, let's do it. So. We were never, this society now today is all about instant gratification, right? This whole society, I mean, in America at least. So numb over instant gratification, everything. If you are having a rough day at work, go home and drink. Smoke cigarettes to get through your day at work. Emotionally eat after your hard day of a crappy relationship or whatever it is. Go home and smoke weed. Weed is legal now. You can advertise for online gambling. There's junk food everywhere. Like I can't think... There's just so much instant gratification stuff to numb over our negative emotion that we aren't feeling negative emotion. And that's really interesting, too, because I was talking to you earlier. I just started the book Think and Grow Rich okay. by Napoleon something. Hill? Uh, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Napoleon Hill and uh, Bob Proctor really promotes this book. Oh, Bob <laughs> we talked about him in the manifestation episode, which was a couple episodes ago. And I really like the wording of this book because it talks about a burning desire. And if you have a burning desire for something, that face you just made. <laughs> because because I truly believe everyone has one. I thought you were just making a like joke. But, like, no, listen, desire. listen. What like it's like having a really hot bed of embers and then constantly drowning water over. Right, it. And, and, and then it, saying I don't know what I want to do with my life when you need to just stop putting no, water on. No, for it. sure. And that's why I like the phrase burning desire because if you're constantly numbing yourself, you can't feel the fire. You mm-hmm. can't feel the burning desire to do fucking anything. Yep. Let alone those negative feelings and yeah, you're numbing out the negative feelings from your hard day at work or your trauma or your just lack of understanding or your lack of direction, but you're also numbing out all the desires, mm-hmm. all the goals, it's all the duality, drive. right? You're, yeah. You can't numb out one without numbing the other. And, and don't get me wrong. I am someone who functions as a stoner. And we're not, in many, okay, many listen, ways. we're not saying there's, <laughs> now we're going into coping versus numbing. So exactly. This is so important to, to make the distinction. If you are using substances or food as fuel or something that is going to overall reduce your amount of stress, right? Then that's okay. We call that healthy coping. You can even have alcohol, I would say, is a healthy coping mechanism. If you're like, you're going to a wedding and you want to just have some drinks and you're celebrating, you're going with good, happy emotions. Especially if you're an introvert. <laughs> yeah, right. But if it's going to overall reduce your stress. But listen, if you're going because you've had a shitty day at work and you know that you have homework to do, but you'd rather smoke a joint and overall you're going to wake up the next day and go, holy shit, I'm more stressed out now because I've chose to do something that's going to actually increase my stress and I'm going to quote unquote call it a coping mechanism when really like cigarettes too. 
I'm anxious. I'm going to smoke a cigarette when really the cigarette is the thing that's causing the anxiety in the first place. Totally. So, I, I find myself doing that with weed a lot. And over the last like year or so, to, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've really fo- put the focus on and I've quit smoking weed for a few months at a time couple times and for mental health reasons and it was very beneficial all those times but i often like found myself kind of getting back in old habits Mm -hmm. but in the last year i i don't just use weed to numb and cope so i've been trying to when i smoke i'm a not smoking a lot it's a hit and it's not the activity it's not like i'm gonna sit down and smoke now and that would just be an activity many times it's not the activity it's like i'm gonna take a hit and wind down after work just because it literally does relax my muscles and relax things or i'm b going to be continuously productive mm-hmm. while i'm smoking yeah i'm either gonna go to the gym or i'm gonna work on stuff or i'm gonna do podcast stuff i'm not going to just smoke and then sit on the couch and watch tv yeah the really popular book on habits right now it's called atomic habits i forgot who it's by but you can find it look up go on google but he calls this habit stacking right it's not negative if you want to pair smoking weed with doing your homework I don't see an issue with that. But if I you're doing it, my whole college, but if you're doing it instead, <laughs> or if you're going to half-ass your homework because you smoked weed, why don't you just do your homework and then use the small hit of weed to relax after is a small reward. Yep. That's habit set. You know that then it's okay. But the traps we get into is that we are genuinely unhappy with our lives, and there's like ten things that we could actually improve that would genuinely show us the north star of our desire and our path. But instead, we numb over because it's all that stuff we don't want to deal with. And I see it happen. You know, there's sixty, seventy-year-old alcoholics who have so much going wrong with their lives and. And they're, they're victims in their own mind because they think that it's just circumstances of their life. But really, they've chosen every single day. It's an active choice to be emotionally blind and emotionally willfully ignorant. And it's just a sad path to go down when it's so unnecessary. Yeah. And when you're on that path, you're, your thoughts are leading you into... Your thoughts are leading you, period, I should say. Yes. So when you are on the path of like, oh, poor me, I'm going to have a drink because my life sucks, blah, 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 you're going to bring more of that energy into your life. But if you are thinking like, oh, poor me, how do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. What can I do? I'm going to have a drink because I had a long day, but I'm going to put work into this, that, and the other thing Mm -hmm. to get me out of this job. Or I'm going to just quit and find a new job or I'm going to figure out something else. If you're actively putting those thoughts out there, like you said before, you're not going to fail. Like it might Mm -hmm. not work the first time. It it probably won't. Right. But it's going to lead you in a different direction towards something that is going to be more beneficial to you. What what differentiates you from having a life that you resent getting up into and one that you actually want to? It's only that you're willing to fail and that you do it a lot. And it's so fucking cliche. It's so cliche. Yeah. But like, don't even have to be big. You know, you say willing to fail. Like, you have to go t- make 100 sales calls. No, you don't. Literally go to the gym and feel stupid and vulnerable while you try out a Oh, my machine. God. Yeah. That's and I was, I was about to add to that, too. Like, not only... You're definitely going to fail, mm-hmm. but... I feel like... We shouldn't even call it fail. You're going to learn. Let's call it learning. That's a better way to frame it. Sure. But I I think failure is a good word too though because when you embark on something like this, you know you're going to struggle and you're going to have to learn hard lessons Mm -hmm. and make these little hurdles on the way. And I think anybody who's attempted, even barely attempted, this type of change has felt how hard some of those little failures and those little lessons can hit you Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of strength it takes a lot of endurance but that is what is going to 
it's it's going to make you stronger mm-hmm. and it's going to make you more able to handle the things that are are coming and because i truly believe like from a spiritual perspective i truly believe that the things that happen to you are always going to be leading you in the direction that you are needing to go I think Eckhart Tolle, you know Eckhart Tolle he says that yeah the, yeah the life life is always going to hand you the exact situation of failure that you need in that moment yeah mm-hmm. and if you are constantly in a place of self-pity mm-hmm. you're going to miss Victim. those opportunities they're going to be there and you're going to miss them or you're not going to see them or you're mm-hmm. going to miss the lesson but like for example I was going to recently drop to part-time at my day job to put more effort into getting out of my day job but I had a moment of oh crap I shouldn't do this I'm going to lose my insurance we're trying to buy a house like I should keep my income up blah 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 and it was a lot of the insurance thing too because I would have no insurance for the first time in a very long time, which can just, I don't know, I'm just scared like something's going to happen. So all of these anxieties were happening. And so I told my work, you know what? I would like to be full-time. I changed my mind. Is that okay? It wasn't okay. And they were like, well, we we don't have that full-time position open anymore. You can either be part-time or you can change departments, which I didn't want to do. So I dropped down to part-time begrudgingly and I found out that... I was not going to lose my insurance because I've been there for so long. And uh, a few other things happened where I essentially still have full-time hours for the next like three weeks. And the chances of a full-time position opening up in the next few months are pretty high. Mm -hmm. So everything pretty much worked out in my favor. And it only happened when I let go of the reins. I think that's it is acceptance, right? And we're not saying when you accept something, don't don't take action. That's not acceptance. Exactly. You're not fighting something emotionally you're and, accepting the emotions and, that and then is, still taking action for sure and i was emotionally distraught mm-hmm. for the first couple of days so what, when this was what happening. led you do you think to the right choice what like what was that acceptance like to you to well, okay so i wouldn't necessarily say i had any choice in this matter okay. because the right outcome and what came of but this you, but you did have a choice because you could have gone to a different department and you could have had the benefits true well. and that there's a lot of like specifics yeah. as to why i didn't go to different departments and it has a lot to do with like time off and blah blah, blah like a lot of dumb work stuff but i think ultimately i was gonna say is that the gut feeling you had all at the very end of the day was it just a gut feeling it of, was kind of a gut intuition? feeling yeah and because i know i have that burning desire for my future mm-hmm. i know i do and reading that book has really validated me in every effort that I'm putting forth with getting my future going even this podcast like this is definitely like a hobby for me but I'm not going to just stop doing it because I know it's going to turn into something important Mm -hmm. whether it's important to only a couple thousand people or if it's important to hundreds of thousands of people I know it's going to be important Mm -hmm. and it already is so it's that gut feeling that led me to accept that what was happening was a series of events that was unfolding behind the scenes in my favor for that burning desire. Does that make sense? Yeah. So actually, I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Yeah. Um, my hospital had a policy. It was about oh, the mandates for vaccines and whatever and all that shit. And I was going, I was writing my resignation letter. I was going to quit the next day. And Because of the mandates? Because of the mandates. I don't, it's, I fundamentally don't agree with forcing a medical procedure on somebody? I just don't agree with the authoritarian nature of their laws. Not even yeah. medical procedure. I can't even lie to you. It's just the authoritarian nature. I think that this is a slippery slope. If anybody wants to read the book, Ordinary Men, it's literally a book about how 
authoritarian governments form or read Animal Farm. You know? Absolutely. Or talk to anybody who's lived in a communist country. <laughs> right. Right now that currently exists. Um, so pretty much I just don't like the authoritarian nature. I think that it's corrupt and I think that I don't want to be a part of it. So I was writing my resignation letter and literally the next day when I was going to turn it in, I had 22 copies made and I was like dead serious. I wouldn't have made the damn 22 copies. 22 Yeah. I was going to throw them everywhere. I love um, you. Literally the mean girls where she throws a paint. Yeah. So, um. Material. You've been going to school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, literally, I woke up the next day with fucking COVID, COVID positive, and it, wor- it worked out so well because I ended up doing the religious exemption. I thought about it a really long time, and I'm like, this could not have worked out better because I'm so happy to still be at my job right now, not for security reasons, not for any other reason other than I feel really, really good about being at my job right now. Um, it's just great, and I know that it's going to lead to the right timing. Everything's just going to happen. So it was kind of weird. Divine forces behind nature. Yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, the the book that I'm reading, The Think and Grow Rich, talks a lot about this as well, because nothing is impossible to accomplish in your lifetime unless you believe it's impossible. It's all beliefs. You're just talking about the belief systems. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what life coaching is. <laughs> yeah. Much. But the, uh, the author was talking about like his son was born without ears and he could not hear at all. But this guy who wrote the book was learning these principles of manifestation essentially but like think and grow rich principles Mm -hmm. and he applied those principles to his son and he told his son quote from the book little white lies about his hearing and said like you're going to be able to hear perfectly well one day you're going to be totally normal they like even didn't let him learn sign language they're like no you're not allowed to learn sign language like you're going to hear one day and long story short this kid, because this was like the 30s, the 1930s, mm-hmm. so like hearing aids were like not a thing. And this first ever hearing aid that was invented was sent to this kid and he could hear perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And it all happened like very synchronistically. And this kid ended up working for this hearing aid company and helping hundreds of other kids and people out there who had never heard before mm-hmm. able to hear. And even the doctors, again, in the 1930s were like, wow, we thought it would be impossible for your kid to hear because it's using something with like like the how you can like hear through your bones like using vibrations like in your bones to get a vibrator (laughs) holy moly (laughs) i was not expecting that me neither (laughs) poor kid no you know what i mean he's called my dickhead like (laughs) (laughs) Um, that was dumb all right so it was good though but anyway the point is seemingly impossible things can be accomplished you're talking about the placebo effect placebo effect essentially let's get rational with it i mean i i like rational i personally think that <laughs> what go ahead i'm pretty clunker <laughs> how are you <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fine <laughs> and you're loud <laughs> oh my god okay anyway um so i watched this documentary on the placebo effect and yeah. pretty much there's it's a kneecap a pbs documentary where they this guy does like a bunch of fake knee surgeries he literally cuts his skin and just resews it up and like knocks the person out so they think they're getting it and then the other one he like goes into whatever the whole knee surgery and the people that didn't get the actual one they fully believe they did and they were fine and there was a whole you know i'm totally bastardizing this experiment but you can look it up pbs knee surgery placebo effect yeah no but uh I, the placebo effect those kind of instances i personally believe that because yeah rationally that's what's happening mm-hmm. but like how the fuck did the knee heal uh-huh. if the, yeah, if it yeah. was that easy like it's not quote that easy it's <laughs> it's such a deep and powerful like that is a miracle a literal miracle mm-hmm. and like that shows the power of energy in our thoughts and and universal energy mm-hmm. like those are the kind of things where i i find validation in my spiritual beliefs uh-huh. because oh, i personally to. think that 
that was an act of God and God is within. So therefore it was you Mm -hmm. that created that act of God. This is a really good analogy. You get up every day, you turn your car on and you drive to work. It works. You know how to operate it and work for your benefit. You don't know how everything works in it, most likely. And even if you're a mechanic, you don't know how to put everything back together in a modern day car. Like no one does. Um, It's a whole bunch of people, whatever. But you work, it uses for your benefit. You don't really have to understand how it works. Why isn't, you know, there's so much like, oh, science rational to the law of attraction that you have to know how it works or else it's not real. It doesn't exist if we can't see it. But why? If you believe something and it genuinely changes the way the world works so that it works in your favor, why wouldn't you believe it? See, this kind of thing, like this kind of mindset, this woke scientific mindset, Mm -hmm. I always like to bring up the fucking- Did you call me woke? No, 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 no. But no, but like what you're describing- What what you're describing is a woke mindset of like, I need the rationality. I need to know exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Even if like scientifically it cannot be explained, like Mm -hmm. someone's knee healing when they should have technically needed knee surgery. I think that, oh shoot, I kind of forgot which direction I was going in this. (laughs) Not helpful at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not helpful. Just going to say something about India. I'm done. Sorry. I don't know which direction. The woke mindset. Woke, knee surgery, how it works. God, law of no. attraction. Nope. It'll come back So to let's me. do this really fast. Can we yeah. do a life coaching exercise? Yeah. So this is, I have to give credit where it's due. The life coach school, Brooke Castillo. There you go. This is where the model comes from. But pretty much it's cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. So how you think influences how you feel, which influences how you act. So like through your thoughts, you're actually creating your reality. reality. Um, so do you have like an example of a feeling or something or anxiety or something that provokes anxiety in any kind of situation? Uh, for me specifically, I get anxiety all the time about thinking I made a mistake, specifically when mm. talking. Like, for example, today I uh, got a massage this morning, but then I was coming over here after, so I didn't want to go all the way home. So I went to Panera and it was like a teenager running the counter and he was really fucking awkward. And I just kind of like panic in awkward situations. And I feel like I'm like, I made it awkward. Like I said the wrong thing. I, I do that like, too. It makes you any better. Yeah, it does. It's make where me. the introverts and extroverts uh, team up. <laughs> <laughs> where, where they can combine. Converge. Yeah. Thank you. Um, or, and then I went to target after, and there was a lady that I knew, like she was, she's a customer at my work and she was at target and saw me and started talking to me and just i walk away from any interaction and i just have anxiety that like i said something fucking stupid or i just i don't know that is a regular anxiety and okay so it's it's always so really fast the model that brooke castillo teaches is circumstances is at the top so it's kind of like a pyramid down circumstances at the top and circumstances anything you can't control Mm-hmm. So like somebody says something to you, that's a circumstance. Somebody behaves a certain way. Uh, the sky is raining today. That's a circumstance. And then the next part is your thoughts. And thoughts are 100% in our control. And people are going to come at me because I get this on my psych videos all the time because I talk about psychiatric hospitals where there are clinical cases. And I understand that some people with panic and anxiety disorders have a really hard time managing their thoughts. Okay, so let's leave out the clinical cases, right? So a thought you have complete control over. And then whatever you're thinking is going to make you feel a certain way. Like we are always feeling a certain way emotionally because of a thought. Physical pain is different. We're not talking about physical pain here, but emotional feelings. So it goes circumstance, thought, feeling, and then how we feel is how we're going to act. So because we're feeling a certain way, we're going to act a certain way. And then we're results. And then our results always kind of reinforce our thoughts. So a thought for you, I guess, or the circumstances, I don't know. I talked to anybody. So circumstance, but that's... mm, (laughs) How about the person responded a certain way? Because it's not really in your control. Yeah. So circumstances, somebody responded a certain way and how did you think about it like what makes you feel anxious in that that situation what is your thought that's actually playing out in your head 
usually like in the moment I don't have these thoughts, but as I'm walking away, I just have the thought of like, Oh my God, I'm so stupid. There's never okay. any specific. But I'm assuming that you're getting the anxiety when you're having those thoughts. It's not like you feel yes. anxious before yes. the thought emerges. No. And I don't feel anxious in the interaction. That's the weirdest part is I'm totally fine. It's and probably because you're not away. thinking about, you know, you're still thinking about talking to them. Exactly. Th- thoughts that I'm going to say next, not I sound so stupid. Yeah. So like a thought you could have that would provoke anxiety is I can't believe I just said that. Mm-hmm. That was really stupid. They think I'm an idiot. Yep. But, um, and then you're going to feel anxious because of those thoughts. Who wouldn't? And then you're going to act what? Probably like weird about it. Kind of yeah. like reserved, not talk to anyone anymore. And your results is going to justify that you're weird and you shouldn't talk to people. <laughs> yeah. And that's how the that's model true. works. So if you change your thought, which in a, again, in a non-clinical case, we have 100% control over our thoughts. You can change the entire result. And you can literally do this model 100, 100 times a day and change your entire life. And when doing this, you also can learn to change your belief systems we were talking about, which will change your entire reality. It's like really, really powerful. How does the subconscious play into this though? Because um, isn't the, the subconscious kind of feeds thoughts into your so head this, sometimes. This is directly taking the subconscious into your conscious awareness. Normally, you'd have a feeling of anxiety. You'd have no idea why you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And it's that omniscient, um, the, um, what is it? Omniscient? Is that what I'm trying to say? Omnipresent? No. It's the not knowing where it's coming from that's making it so scary and big and scary. I think um, um, omniscient. Is that the word I want? Um, um, ominous? Omin- no, ominous? that is not, not, not ominous. Maybe she meant glonker. <laughs> oh my so, God. Whatever. So it's the the idea that you don't know where something comes from that makes it so much scarier. Like, have you ever watched a scary movie? And obviously the scariest part is before you see the monster. Once you see it, you're like, I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So like the same thing with our thoughts. If we feel anxious, but we don't know why, or we're not paying attention, we just feel anxious. We can't put a name to it or figure out what thoughts are causing that. It's going to feel way worse. And we're just going to subconsciously run through this process all the time. And every interaction we have someone, we're going to feel anxious and stupid, but we're not going to actually be conscious of that. And it's going to re- it's going to still affect how we're acting, but we're just not consciously aware of it. So this whole model is supposed to make the subconscious conscious. If you're literally feeling anxious and you say, what thought right now is causing anxiety? And then you change that thought, that's totally taking subconscious and making it, you know? So it doesn't have to be deeper than that, right? Like a lot of psychoanalytic psychology is like, no, your trauma is from childhood and blah, blah, blah. But really you could just be feeling a certain way because of something that just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... It's making it way more practical and applied. So like, what's another thought that that lady looks at you a certain way after you say something? That's a circumstance, right? Her reaction. What is a thought that you could say that would not induce anxiety, but like maybe name an emotion you want to feel? Content. Okay. So if you want to feel content, what thought could you place in there after her reaction to feel content? And genuinely, the only thing is with a thought, if you're going to replace a, a current negative thought, you have to believe the new one or else this model isn't going to work. You And you can always put a thought in there that's going to make you feel content that you can believe. You just have to be creative. My initial reaction would be, a thought would be, most people aren't thinking that deeply about my words. And you believe that? Yeah. You 100% believe that? Cause, yeah, because when I think, I when I think, I, I'll do this little thought experiment with myself when I'm feeling like this. I'll think about my day and I'll think about all the things I said mm-hmm. and think about all the things that I think are stupid. And then I think okay. about everyone else I've talked to mm-hmm. and I try and think of anything that they said that I thought was stupid and I can never think of anything oh, right. that anybody else said. Like I could not remember a single thing, but I can remember all the stupid things I said. So and that's powerful, right? Yeah. Cause I can apply that. Like most people aren't thinking about me, most which is great. Most people also don't do this exercise. <laughs> yeah, true. And people make them mistakes. So let's say, let's replace that thought really fast. So what's the new thought? She didn't really think that deep about what I said. Yeah. And how does that make you feel if you genuinely believe that thought in that same circumstance? Content, like relieved. Action, you're going to be chill and cool and like wave her off by and it's not Mm going to be awkward. And the result's going to justify that thought. She didn't think that deep about it. I'm just, I'm overthinking it. (laughs) What about, because Chas and I talked about this. I don't remember what episode it was, but we talked about it in an episode that came out recently. Mm -hmm. Um, When 
there is these anxious thoughts of just like, I hate myself. Like that comes seemingly out of nowhere. Okay. And like, I've talked to my boyfriend about it and he always says like, it's coming from somewhere. Like what, where's it coming from? Okay. But they seemingly come out of nowhere of like a, like just an anxious self-hatred. Like, ugh. okay. So I think that we do have beliefs about ourselves on a deeper core belief level. We all have beliefs about ourselves. And a lot of us, this is again, the unconscious thing, right? We're totally unconscious of these beliefs. Like when I was younger, I was overweight and I genuinely believed that I was fat and ugly and my body was gross, right? Or a lot of people believe this. And then you subconsciously live your life like this. You can literally get in shape and still see a fat, gross blob in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be clinically, what's the body dysmorphia? You don't have to be clinically diagnosed with body dysmorphia to feel this way. Right. So, I mean, those thoughts could come from negative core beliefs you have, but doing this thought work makes you aware of that. And you have to do it a lot. A belief is literally just a thought that we think over and over and over. That's it. But mm -hmm. if we if we believe these thoughts and we start dissecting them individually and seeing that, well, this isn't really something I have to believe. I could choose to believe something else. Then those thoughts will go away. Or if you have those thoughts... Because like we just have thoughts in our head, right? That's what the brain does. Mm -hmm. It just throw fucking thoughts. Sitting at night, third grade pops into my mind. Why the fuck is the cookie I bought in third grade popping into my mind? Like literally, <laughs> yeah. literally. I don't know. But maybe it isn't. You know, I try not to think too deeply about it because then it just puts you in the psychoanalytic hellhole that never resolves anything. Mm -hmm. But if you have a thought of, I hate myself, why don't you just take that thought and go, I'm not going to actually allow this thought to continue down the chain of feeling and acting. Why don't I just put another thought in? Where did that thought come from? It doesn't really matter if I can change it and focus on a different one. You don't have to focus on that thought. And I, so it's just, it's just repetition really, right? It's just. And that's, so you know. You Reprogramming. Know, yeah, that's, that's what the brain does, right? Mm -hmm. We literally have grooves in our brain. This is why if you want to talk about the psychedelics, when people take mm -hmm. acid, mm -hmm. it genuinely restructures the neuropathways in our brain. That's why people have life changing I guess trips. For good or bad. Yeah, it, it can do either. So uh, uh, a note to anyone, if you're ever going to trip, do it with a really good set mindset going setting. in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, set and setting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it literally restructures the pathways in your brain. So they're literally like rumination, right? That's what we do. R we ruminate when we're depressed because we've taught ourselves to ruminate. So it just, there's pathways. We consistently think these negative thoughts in spiral because that's what our brain is trained to do. We can untrain that and then go positive. And it's really nice because positive feedback loops work in both directions. Like if you start training your brain and working on this, you're going to exponentially increase your brain. But mm -hmm. you can also exponentially decrease. That's why depression literally starts off with like mild suicidal thoughts to literally like a depression a freaking cave where you have a knife against your neck. Like Yeah, and I think that's that's really that can be very impactful for people who have had severe depression thoughts because yeah. it's it's that radical responsibility that it all comes back to where mm -hmm. Yes, it's not entirely your fault that you feel a certain way, but it can be entirely your responsibility to get so you out this of an, that. Yeah, this is great. This is another part of life coaching that just like blows your mind. Um, Brooke Castillo, I'm going to say her stuff again because this is where I've learned this and it's been really helpful. She says that emotional childhood is when you let other people take responsibility for how you're feeling. And an emotional adult, no matter what someone says, does anything, you take responsibility for that feeling. So like if somebody says, somebody spits in your face, you can literally get mad or you can just wipe it off and walk away. It's your choice. Mm -hmm. And there are people like, if I say a joke and Sarah finds it really funny and then my mom finds it really offensive, I'm not responsible for what they're feeling. Either or of else, them. What, right. Or else then would I take responsibility for the good and the bad? That's not really fair. It's their their responsibility for their own feeling. And they don't have to like it and they can challenge me on it. Mm -hmm. But as long as they take responsibility for feeling that way and, you know, again, taking control of your own thoughts. If you call me fat 
I can go, oh my God, this person called me fat. How could they say that? I could blame them. That's like the victim mindset. That's what children do, right? They think that they actually, they think that their emotions are circumstances they have no control over, but really we do have control over it. And you become an emotional adult once you realize that you can control exactly how you're feeling in every situation. If Mm -hmm. I want to feel excited right now, I'm going to find a thought that I believe that's going to make me feel excited. Like I am, this podcast is going to be live in a week or whatever, however many times. That genuinely makes me excited. I'm excited to listen to it. I genuinely feel excited now because I've chosen to put that thought in my head and I believe it. Mm-hmm. Or I could also feel sad. My dog is 16 years old and she's probably got like four months left to live. Oh my God. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And people do this and it's, it sounds ridiculous, but people do this. No, for sure. You know, so this person my, called my me My dad fat. is very guilty of that. And oh, has... in very unconscious living. I don't want me to attack no. by any means, but like people are very unconscious in general with their yeah. emotional health and that's what leads to the results in life. How you're thinking is how you're living, and people do not realize this. We're not taught this, so it's not anyone's fault. But you know, if you hear this information, then it's a good signal to start becoming aware of. It. And awareness is always the first step. Yeah, I really like the emotional uh, responsibility thing too, because I can find myself getting caught up, like especially having a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. my goal with Awake Not Woke has always been. I want to be as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. Like this is my outlet to talk about all these weird fucking crazy things that I like to talk <laughs> yeah. about in a place where I know if you want to listen to it, you're going to listen to it. If you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to listen to it. Yep. And that so, has nothing to do with you. Exactly. So that's good for me to hear because I can sometimes get a, a little too worked up. Like, oh shit, did mm-hmm. I did I say too much? Was yep. I too honest? That's like, why, that's why should I, was I digging, sugarcoated I do that it too. more? Who doesn't do that when they're making when they're putting themselves out there? Mm-hmm. But especially with some of the topics that we talk about. Sure, any topic. But yeah. you could do this with any topic. Someone could literally say, "I like red," and they could have somebody go, "How the." Could you say that? You're an idiot. And they could yeah. take that personally and then never say anything again. Yeah. You know, it's totally how you're thinking about it. And that's why I was kind of digging at you earlier if you've had any emotional trouble with the negative comments you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did originally. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I want to be a life coach that's teaching emotional health. I need to take control over my yeah. emotional responses in this situation. It's like a ter- the perfect challenge. It's like the the thing you need the most will be found in the place you're wasting. Mm-hmm. We, just, we were talking about it earlier. The yep. life hands you the lesson you need. I need as much negative bashing as I can get online and I need to learn how to deal with that in my own emotional health. It's been such a good lesson for me. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's, I need to be able to take this negative feedback and still present my authentic self mm-hmm. without fear yeah. of that repercussion. And, and listen, like go, using this mindset and this belief system, like you're not going to just say offensive, provoking stuff. No, you're, no, you know what no. I mean? You're and I never trying. do, but and like some get, of the, sorry, some on. of the, no, it's okay. I just, some of the things we talk about though, are just naturally triggering in this society. And the whole point was that I wanted to be able to talk about these things in a way that people could understand the deeper perspective Mm -hmm. than them. Things like gender, things like like sexuality or conspiracies. Mm -hmm. Like you do a good job with gender describing it too. It helped me. After psychology classes, I was still a little bit shaky and your description spiritually on gender helped me. I appreciate it Mm -hmm. because I think that is one particular issue that I feel very passionately about that gets really murky in yeah yeah especially in woke like spaces for real though because like because i do firmly believe you should be able to do anything you want with your body Mm -hmm. if you are with your life in general as long as you're not hurting anybody else Mm -hmm. you should be able to do anything you want but there is also conversations to be had about health about hormones about 
about relationships. Like there are conversations that need to be had there Mm -hmm. that if you try to have them in certain woke circles, you will be demonized instantly. I mean, look at, uh, what's the guy you really like? Jordan Peterson. Yep, that one. I love Jordan Peterson. But he he gets thrown under the bus like for strictly. the dragon of chaos. You must. (laughs) All I can do is a Yoda version of him. (laughs) (laughs) I've really been practicing too. I'm meeting him in a month. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. Um, but yeah, no, he like you Google Jordan Peterson and it's just like he's transphobic and that's like the oh, only information so you but get. But Google puts it out there. In, exactly. In, in his defense, Google's just you know. But okay, but listen. So this is a perfect example. I the reason that I'm so harsh on woke people is not because I have an issue with gender stuff or transgender or any of the woke. I'm LGBT. GBK. <laughs> I love that community. But like you know, I'm gay. So like I try to be. In I'm trying to be. Like open and accepting. Thank you. That's the word I want. Yeah. Open and accepting, of course. But when I think that the woke culture is the exact opposite of what I'm trying to teach with, teach and learn with this model, that they want to say that everyone else has control of their feelings, and that's so disempowering. Whatever I say and believe should have no effect on your. They're trying your, to get rid of free speech, and that's yeah, absolutely because free insane. speech makes you feel. As, if you were taught exactly. that everyone else has control over how you feel, then of course free speech would be an enemy for you. Yep, you should burn the books that make you feel bad. But listen, if you could literally talk to someone and they say whatever they want to you and it has no effect because you are in control of your own thoughts and your feelings and your actions then you keep your power and free speech is the best thing that's ever existed because it allows you to have power. Absolutely. Know? And that's and the, a, and healthy that's the power, key. A power. respectful power. Exactly. Not like an authoritarian it's, power. But it's like sovereignty. A, yes. It's or, I should say res- a responsible power, right? It's, is that right? I, I think what you're describing is sovereignty. Thank it's, you. Oh my God. Sovereignty, a.k.a. responsible power. No, but seriously. I never knew what that word was until that just happened. Well, you didn't know what sovereignty means? Sovereignty. S-O-V-R-I-N-T-Y. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sovereignty... In my opinion, though, is this true freedom and this true control over your life, mm-hmm. whereas like n- no one else can influence you. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally think that this can be carried into a lot of woke people and younger people and even adults. Like a lot of people think that not only other people have control over their emotions, but they have control over their actions like and it's minor things it's not mm-hmm. like people are walking mm-hmm. around going like they have control over me but like I, again this is where unconscious beliefs come in and unconscious thoughts but not, not even aware. not even unconscious beliefs necessarily i mean it might be but like for example i work in retail again mm-hmm. and i will see customers like if i never said hi how are you like approach me they'll just wait in line they will literally wait for permission to go to a checkout lane mm-hmm. or to to do things and it's like why why do i some stranger who's like 10 years younger than you have to give you permission to do something in public yeah that might be like a social norm thing too though you know not so much that i have no sovereignty but but i just that's a bad example no it's okay but that's just like the one example that comes to mind but it's it's a lot of little things like that where like these adults are operating on such autopilot mm-hmm. that they would rather give control of their life to someone else. Un- they're living unconsciously. Exactly. Yes. And that the sovereignty that comes with not only taking control of your own emotions, but taking control of your own life is so empowering because you realize you can do literally anything. Mm-hmm. And like social norms and stuff, yeah, like that exists, obviously. But some people are like, 
oh, I can't do that because this, this, and this. No, you can literally mm-hmm. do anything. I it's, saw it's, a TikTok oh, of a kid right. jumping off a bridge into a uh, tour boat. Like someone was touring like a lake. Oh, we did he, the backflip? Yeah. That <laughs> he lands one. on the damn thing. Yeah, and then he climbs up the other bridge. <laughs> but, like, I was watching that thinking like, this guy is sovereign. This mm-hmm. guy knows how to do whatever he wants. We're not recommending this. Stunt. No. <laughs> it's just Do funny. not try it home. Your examples are great. But that that is like, or I saw like another TikTok of someone like, they're like, you can do whatever you want. And they like climbed a shelf at a grocery store oh and like gosh. stood at the top. Like those are that's really like stupid a, That's examples. like a dramatized example exactly. of sovereignty for sure. But like, but this you is You know what, what I'm saying. I do. Like that's the extreme end. And is, some people yeah. think like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But you can. This is what the coaching is all about too. People think, people think that their thoughts are circumstances. Again, thoughts we have control of, circumstances we don't. People think that quitting their job is a circumstance. I can't do that. I have benefits. But it's literally just their thoughts about it that makes them not be able to do it. I think I have a sense of security. If I quit, I won't be able to find another job. That's a thought. Mm-hmm. Not a circumstance. You have complete control. But it's like that. You know, I can't move forward. I can't move forward if this girl doesn't say anything. That's a circumstance. Until she flags me down, I can't do it. I am confusing that thought with a circumstance of something I don't have control over when you do. And making sure that you're on the right path doesn't necessarily mean micromanaging the path forward. And that kind of uh-uh. brings us full circle into that like things are working behind the scenes in your mm-hmm. favor because like if you are making effort, like again, another issue that I've had recently is I am putting a lot of effort into moving my life forward, into starting a business, into getting that burning desire of the life that I want in the future. But I also get very Virgo and controlling about some of these things. And if things do not happen exactly how I think they should happen, I get very anxious about it. So like the whole thing with me going part-time, full-time, all this stuff with work, in my mind, I had to be full time or I'm not getting a house. Mm -hmm. But my boyfriend always reminds me, whatever happens, we'll just pivot and keep going. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen exactly how we think it's going to happen. It probably won't. But we are just going to keep doing what we're doing. And if an obstacle approaches us, we pivot and Mm -hmm. keep going. Yep. I agree. And like with the finding your direction and meaning in life, you don't have to know your next step or how you're going to do it. You just have to know that you're moving forward and in I don't know where I'm going to end up in life coaching, but I for sure know that if I keep taking steps towards it, at least with intention, I'm going to find out whatever it is I have to find out and get there. Yeah, I really like this, uh, everything that you've talked about with the life coaching, because it's really applicable to a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. Because like when I think of... Like, Everyone. Yeah, and <laughs> but like when we were talking about like the extrovert and introvert, mm-hmm. like in my head those approaches would be very different. But now that we've talked about it, Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that it's targeting this internal aspect Mm -hmm. that is pretty universal. And it's the application of what you're teaching is what's up to the person. So like, Mm What you're teaching, I feel like, would be very similar between a uh, someone who comes to you for life coaching who's an extrovert mm-hmm. versus someone who's an introvert. And, and it's going to be def- very similar. It'll be interesting because you'll be able to see their thought processes are different. So, like, exactly the example with you at the grocery store, right? And you say something, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Your your initial thought would be, "God, I said something stupid. What an idiot!" Mm-hmm. And then you get anxious about it. Mine is like. I'll have the same circumstance, right? And I'll say something stupid. I know I said something stupid. I'm like, God, that was funny. And I start laughing and like make it funny. 
you know, and I'm like, let's talk about it. That was so dumb. And like, I'll acknowledge the social role with the person and bring them into it. And you just go away and like be anxious I by yourself. I go into my head, yeah. So like, same circumstance, different thoughts. But you can also circle back to have the same results with the same, you know what I mean? It, the, yeah, that's what and I was the saying. The end result could be, oh my God, whatever, they think it's funny. And I'm at, I'm at peace and then you're at peace because you thought something, you know. And your coaching is going to be very similar between those two things. But the outcome is going to be very different. So like, yeah, the person who is introverted will take what you say and maybe they will like spend time journaling every night Mm -hmm. about these feelings that they're feeling or talk to like a very close significant other and someone who's extroverted is gonna like have a bunch of friends over teach it to everyone i know exactly (laughs) but that's just really interesting because in my head i thought it would be very different approaches and i think like with other types of coaching things you might have different approaches for someone who's very introverted and and there's different situations but you can always find using the model and the thought digging through your thoughts we're all going to do it a little bit differently, but if you understand how your thoughts work and be aware of them, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I love this conversation. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we we wrap? Um, can I be really fast? And then we'll finish up. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally about to be about time. Okay. I am not wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm literally like almost time. Okay. All right. The last thing I want to say is just that your emotional health will lead to everything else that you possibly do in your life. So try to get aware of what you're thinking every day and try to just write it down. If you are totally lost in your life, start writing down your thoughts, cutting out the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Stop numbing over your emotions with alcohol and weed and stuff like that and trying to use things for numbing instead of for healthy coping. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having emotions is good and normal. Yeah. But you just, need to feel them. Exactly. You need to feel them. Yeah. You have to actually feel them. The only way out is through. Especially those bad ones that you don't want to feel. Like mm-hmm. if you, when those, you, are li- those are the guides that are getting you to where you want to be in life. Negative emotion is literally a guide light showing you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't feel it, you'll just be stuck in a peretual emotional childhood mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's not long, okay? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm done. I I love it. Uh, So where can the listeners find you? Just remind us. Oh, I have a website, andrewsipriot.com. But also, if you want to check out Wigged Out Psychology, that is my TikTok, and you should definitely look it up, and it's great, and it's amazing. He's got a lot of followers already. That's so egoistic to say that, but I have 75,000, so come at me, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's so egotistical. Let me give you a number. Uh (laughs) Now you have my my digital scroll. So yeah, go follow him there, and yeah, Instagram And please DM me. If you want to do any coaching stuff or anything, I will totally do it for free, but that's only going to last for six months until I'm officially certified, then I can no longer do it I was going to say, it is March 2022, (laughs) so if you're listening to this too far in the future, that, that... Offer has expired. Yes. It is also if you want my Instagram is Andy Sip, like really hit me up. If you want to do any emotional stuff, I will do like an hour coaching session with you and let's do it up. It'll be so exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, this was super fun. And this episode was kind of all over the place, but it was very classic us. And I think it was still really useful. So this was this was great. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Did you cut it? (laughs) I'm pretty conquer. How are you? (laughs) Ha <laughs>